RC Top 3, a weekly podcast of the top three stories from Regnum Christi. Spiritual Director Formation, A Journey Towards Freedom Teresa Chabot of Kalispell, Montana, has been a member of Regnum Christi for 25 years, during which time she has served in several different positions, including team leader, formation coordinator, and section director. One of the roles through which Teresa has grown the most, however, is through her role as a spiritual director. Teresa recently graduated from the Spiritual Direction Certificate Program at Divine Mercy University in May of 2021, and over the course of the program, she not only developed and improved her skills and understanding of the role of the spiritual director, but also grew in her self-knowledge and spiritual freedom. For Teresa, who was already providing spiritual direction before participating in the STC program, the course prompted what Teresa calls a total paradigm shift in her thought processes and in her approach as a spiritual director. As a mother of four children and grandmother of ten, it was natural for Teresa to carry her experience as a mother and caretaker into her role as a spiritual guide. But through her spiritual direction education at DMU, Teresa began to understand that her original view of her relationship with her directees as mother, teacher, and formator was, in fact, not what God was calling her to in her role as spiritual director. I used to understand spiritual direction as more formation. I was the teacher, and they were the student, and if they would just listen and learn, they would grow closer to God, says Teresa. But this approach played into my perfectionism and desire to be the Savior, rather than allowing Christ to save, and allowing for the integrity of the heart or voice of the Holy Spirit. I felt totally responsible for not only my failing, but also the directee's failings as well. As she progressed through the spiritual direction program, through the module lessons, journaling assignments, residencies, and supervision, Teresa began to expand her understanding of the role of the spiritual director. She now knows that the most important job she has as a spiritual director is not to solve her directee's problems, give them advice, or achieve a particular result, but to create a sacred space in which the Holy Spirit can penetrate the heart of her directees and lead them into spiritual maturity. I experienced such freedom when the Holy Spirit relieved me of the mother-teacher role with my directees, says Teresa. Spiritual direction is the Holy Spirit's work, and I am just a facilitator. It doesn't all depend on me. Another lesson Teresa learned through her spiritual direction formation at DMU was the value of listening and how to do it well. For Teresa, speaking less and listening more has become a divine activity and an act of humility, patience, and self-emptying. Being able to help another create sacred space for God to work in their soul by listening with and experiencing with them creates tremendous freedom and is such a great gift, says Teresa. I am here to listen with the directee by reflecting back to them what I hear and experience with them by exploring and expanding their feelings. Through her formation and experience, Teresa has learned to listen not just to the words that a directee says, but also the feelings that accompany her words which are an indication of the direction to which the Holy Spirit is leading her. Teresa shares one recent example of how the ministry of listening allowed her to be a witness to God as he revealed himself in his will to one of her directees. In one instance, I was able to sit with a woman as she explored the reasons for her struggles at work, says Teresa. I just listened as the Holy Spirit guided her to the realization that the reason for her struggle was grounded in her need and desire to return to the sacraments after the COVID break. What a gift to be that witness. For Teresa, her spiritual direction formation was more than an education pursued, 
a certificate earned, or a goal accomplished. It was a journey of self-examination, self-discovery, growth, and, ultimately, freedom. I am so very grateful for the experience to learn new skills that allow me to help move spiritual direction to a greater depth for the directee, but in my personal life, I have also become less afraid to dig into those deeper reasons that might be blocking my own relationship with the Lord and with members of my family, says Teresa. As I place these issues at the foot of the cross, I have found healing and peace and a stronger prayer life. The greatest takeaway for me was a freedom that can only be a gift from God. Teresa lives in Kalispell, Montana, with her husband Jeff, to whom she's been married for 52 years, and her Regnum Christi team is part of the Pacific Northwest section. Presently, she accompanies approximately 10 women in spiritual direction, whom she meets with online and in person. She is also the administrative assistant for RC's spiritual online classroom and facilitator for one of the spiritual direction supervision groups. In January of 2019, Regnum Christi partnered with Divine Mercy University to create the Spiritual Direction Certificate Program, an online program that provides the knowledge, disposition, skills, and supervision that are key to becoming agents for Christian transformation and accompaniment. And within the first two years, there have been over 100 people associated with Regnum Christi enrolled in the program. To find out more about the Spiritual Direction Certificate Program at Divine Mercy University, visit their website at sdc divinemercy.org Lessons from the Workshop of St. Joseph by Father Daniel Brandenburg, L.C. Part 9. The Mighty I was always fascinated by the power manifested in my dad's welding shop, whether by the massive machines, molten metal, ringing hammer blows, or brute strength. Welding forges power and I would wager the welds of my dad and the strength of his grip against anyone's in the world. In his workshop, handling steel and building muscle gave me a unique window into two aspects of power. The first was its relativity. Even the strongest steel, when heated, torched, or pressed, would become malleable and destructible, and there is always something stronger. Secondly, there is always someone stronger, no matter how big one's muscles, britches, wallet, or impressive titles. People get drunk on their own power, but sobered by awareness of its limits and relativity. This interplay between power in comparison with others reveals a deep-seated fear that we all have. Will the situation or person who is mightier than me show me up, call me out, shame me, or demean me? We are constantly comparing ourselves with those around us, sizing them up, calculating relative status. No one likes to lose face or pale in comparison. This human reality opens up a window to better comprehend St. Joseph's experience with the three magi who appeared on the scene in Bethlehem. Let's refresh how the Gospel of Matthew relates this encounter. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1-12 to Unlike the shepherds, whose lowly social status posed no threat, the appearance of these visitors in their exotic garb inspired awe and wonder for three reasons. 1. They were foreigners, traveling from distant lands, which, outside the normal trade routes, was always something remarkable. 2. Their elevated social status was evident by their dress and trappings, allowing them to be easily recognized as wise men, kings, or magi, and giving them such ready access to King Herod when they arrived with their questions. And 3. Their readiness to bow down before this newborn king of the Jews, not merely as before a mortal ruler, but recognizing his dignity through their gifts. Gold, as paid to a mighty king. Frankincense, as offered to God. Myrrh, as one who is to die for the sins of all. Foreign Visitors One of the distinguishing traits of the Jewish people was their strong sense of identity. While other nations and peoples experienced fluidity of identity, shifting religion, customs, and practice according to political changes, warfare, migration of peoples, and the influence of neighboring cultures, the Jews established a stable identity codified in the Torah and complementary codes. Despite attempts to eradicate and assimilate them, they bounced back from slavery in Egypt, territorial squabbles with neighboring tribes, civil war, Assyrian destruction, and Babylonian exile. By the time of the Maccabees, they were ready to die for ancestral customs and refused to relinquish their identity to the Ptolemaic powers. More than any other ancient people, the Jews fostered and maintained a firm identity, which led also to their firm hope in a Messiah who would restore the glory of the Davidic kingdom. Rooted in Jewish identity was also the story of the patriarch Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, but elevated in God's providence to become a mighty man in Egypt. Salvation history is replete with Cinderella stories of second-born sons elevated to primary status, slaves rising to greatness, stammerers leading national exodus, the blind toppling towers, penniless widows becoming queens, shepherd boys chosen as kings, and simple folk called to mighty missions. These stories anchor Jewish identity, constantly reminding them that God's ways are not man's ways, and that dignity is not shown by external trappings. Such a clear Jewish identity also carried with it a danger, accentuating those that are different. All who were not Jews were foreigners, outsiders, leading to exclusionary practices and often an isolationist mentality. During the time of King Herod, these tendencies were in a flux, 
especially since Herod himself was not a Jew. As an Idumean warlord, he had consolidated power by the machinations of his father Antipater, by marrying a Jewish princess, and by currying favor from Roman overlords. Though he undertook massive building projects intended to hint at messianic restoration and consolidate his Jewish bona fides, he was still regarded with suspicion and fear by many of the Jewish people. Revolts were common, leading Herod to build multiple fortresses. He was a power-hungry man, always maneuvering to consolidate or protect his power, and ruthless to quash any threat. He even executed his own wife and three sons for suspected plots against him. Foreign visitors like the Magi arriving to King Herod's court, most likely in his Herodium palace fortress, would have raised no eyebrows. As a cosmopolitan ruler, Herod entertained many foreign visitors, attempted to placate all parties, and even maintained priests for Jewish, Roman, and local animistic religious practice. The visitor's simple query for the newborn king quickly changed their status. Herod's orders to strangle his sons Alexander and Aristobulus the year before for suspected treason was fresh in the minds of all the courtiers, and though they all knew of Herod's profligacy with women, none of his wives or concubines had recently borne any sons. The visitor's question was a bombshell. Who told them there was a newborn king of the Jews? If not Herod's son, what challenger to the throne had been born? Was this tied to the prophecies of the Messiah? How would Herod react to this new threat? What could they do to shield their position from Herod's wrath? Whispers crackled like fire across a dry prairie. Herod handled the situation with practiced diplomacy. Without revealing his hand, he milked information from the visitors and a pledge for more. He dealt with dozens of plots a year, and this one, too, he would suppress. No doubt his palace and power impressed the Magi, who proceed on their search with his sanction, delighted to be so close to their objective. Something Good from Nazareth Weekly Message for August 24, 2021 By Father Nicola Derpich, L.C. Author, Maximizing the Mass Dear Friends in Christ, Today is the Feast of the Apostle St. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel. A few years ago, while living in Rome, my vacation plans fell through, so I decided to do a staycation to see some of my favorite spots in the Eternal City, and some spots I'd heard of that were off the beaten track. One morning, I took a walk along the Tiber River, which winds through the city, at spots close to St. Peter's, and I decided to visit a small island in the river, known as the Isola Tibertina, Tiber Island. It had two walking bridges, so no swimming or boats were required. There was a basilica on the island, and I discovered that the body of St. Bartholomew was there. It was only after visiting and returning home that I remembered I was visiting within a day of his feast day. After Pentecost, it is not clear where St. Bartholomew shared the gospel, but the ancient historian Eusebius says he worked in India at one point, and tradition says he was martyred in Greater Armenia, with a couple of conflicting gruesome methods of execution reported in ancient accounts. The basilica was commissioned by the Emperor Otto III in 998, so St. Bartholomew's body has rested there for over a thousand years. John points out in his Gospel that Nathaniel, Bartholomew, didn't have a high impression of anyone who came from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He was sincere and didn't mince words. 
When Philip invited him to come and see, he had the faith to see for himself whether our Lord was the Messiah. Nathanael did not interpret Jesus' evaluation of him as flattery. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. He was surprised to find that Jesus seemed to know him, not just by surface details, but how he was from the inside. Our Lord wasn't ribbing him either for the comment he'd made about Nazareth. His words struck a chord in Nathanael, and Nathanael knew something new was in store. When our Lord reveals that he saw Nathanael under the fig tree, it seems Nathanael receives a sign of something for which he was searching. What was he doing under the fig tree? Was he praying about what God wanted him to do in his life? Was he asking for some sort of sign? Whatever it was, Nathanael found what he was looking for in Jesus and professed his faith in him as the Messiah. Our Lord responded by promising him that even greater revelations were in store for him. The story of St. Bartholomew teaches us what our Lord has in store for us if we have faith in him. He wants to resolve those doubts and questions in our hearts and to help us find what we are really seeking. He wants to show us that he knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Something good has to come from Nazareth. May the Lord help you begin a journey of greater and greater revelations through following him. For more resources, visit www.regnumchristi.org or download the Regnum Christi English app today.